0: Assembly of God's church for many years assembly of He especially enjoyed his time in Japan and after being discharged, he attended college in Milwaukee, Wisconsin, and later he worked for Briggs and Stratton until his retirement in 1998. 1998 was also the same year he married he married Conan Connie and Gustafson, and they were made their home in Milwaukee until her death just two years later. Crouch of Chehalis, Washington, Virginia Crouch of Redmond, Washington, Vernon Munt of Mandan, North Dakota, Dallas Crouch, and of course, Carolyn, his sister-in-law of Rapid City, and he survived by seven nieces and nephews. He was preceded in death also. Sending condolences to any of the family you can do it through the crouches. and also sign the guest book and leave a sentiment at those who are in affliction with the comfort with which we ourselves are comforted by God. For as we share abundantly in Christ's sufferings, so through Christ we share abundantly. So, Lord, comfort me. Please be seated. I think uh, when we are looking for the comfort that comes from God, we find it most clearly in the words of Scripture. And what I'd like to do is to read you from three different parts of the Bible today, some Scriptures that I think are comforting to every heart. One will be Psalm 23, a Psalm that reminds us of both the trials that we endure in life, but the eternal home we have. And then I'll read from 1 Corinthians some selections from chapter 15 which reminds us that there is eternal life when we are in Christ. And then I'll read lastly from Revelation chapter 21 and I'll read a portion of a text that reminds us of the heavenly existence that is now for those who have died in Christ as we await the descending of the new heaven and the new earth. So first, if you would hear these words from Psalm 23. The Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. He makes me to lie down in green pastures. He leads me beside still waters. He restoreth my soul. He leads me in the paths of righteousness for his name's sake. Yea, though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil, for thou art with me. Your rod and your staff, they comfort me. Thou prepare a table before me in the presence of mine enemies. You anoint my head with oil, my cup overflows. Surely goodness and mercy shall follow me all the days of my life, and I shall dwell in the house of the Lord forever. And next, I'll read from the book of 1 Corinthians. 1 Corinthians, beginning at the 20th verse of the 15th chapter. ...who belong to Christ. Skipping down to the 35th verse, excuse me. But someone will ask, how are the dead raised? With what kind of body do they come? You foolish person, what you sow does not come to life unless it dies. And what you sow is not the body that is to be, but a bare kernel, perhaps of wheat or some other grain... But God gives it a body as he has chosen, and to each kind of seed its own body. For not all flesh is the same, but there is one kind for humans, another for animals, another for birds, and another for fish. There are heavenly bodies and earthly bodies, but the glory of the heavenly is of one kind, and the glory of the earthly is another. There is one glory of the sun and another glory of the moon and another glory of the stars, for stars differ from star in glory. So is it with the resurrection of the dead. What is sown is perishable, but is ra- what is raised is imperishable. It is sown in dishonor. It is raised in glory. It is sown in weakness. It is raised in power. a man of dust, the second man is from heaven. As was the man of dust, so also are those who are of the dust. And as is the man of heaven, so also are those who are of heaven. Just as we have been born, the, just as we have born the image of the man of dust, we shall also bear the image of the man of heaven. And I will be his God, and he will be my son. For as for the cowardly, the faithful, the faithless, and the detestable; as for the murderers, the sexually immoral, sorcerers, idolaters, and liars, their portion will be in the lake that burns with fire and sulfur, which is the second death. But again, I say to you, for the one who conquers will have this heritage. I will be his God, and he will be my son. Now we have uh, the privilege of having Dallas come forward. He's going to say some words of of honor for his brother Kermit and then afterwards he and Carolyn will sing a song for us.
1: First of all I want to thank you folks for coming here to honor Kermit in this memorial service for him. Uh, As the pastor has said he has uh, three other siblings uh, who would like to be here but because they are a long ways away on the west coast, w- and one of his uh, uh, nieces is way over in Germany, uh, so they cannot be here because of the travel restrictions and because of COVID 19. But uh, several of them did send uh, their memories of Kermit. I'm
0: going to move okay, this closer. I think
1: they're close enough, so they can all hear me. Thank you. And I'd like to read just a portion of some things they read because I thought they were so uh, significant. Uh, so, Uh first one is from his one of his nieces, where she said, We are sorry to hear the sad news this morning regarding your dear brother and our uncle Kermit. I have precious memories of Kermit from our summer visits to Valley City, but I really enjoyed getting to know him as an adult during the family reunions. This COVID-19 crisis is a terrible thing, and we pray for everyone's continued good health. And then another one from another niece, Lorna Shelton. She wrote, I was so, so sad to hear that the coronavirus had hit a member of our family and that Kermit has always been the most vulnerable person in our family. He faced so many obstructions, both external and internal, yet he overcame these. The last time I saw him was when Chris and I stopped to see the family in Rapid City. We all had dinner together, and Kermit was there, soft-spoken and vulnerable as always. But he engaged us socially. And then another uh, comment from another. uh, This is from Kermit's nephew, John Crouch. He wrote, such bad and sad news to hear of Kermit's passing. We all miss Kermit with fond memories that each of us have. I remember the time he stayed in our house during one of the family reunions out here and he enjoyed his time with us and we enjoyed him there. So I really could not, I really could say, there's nothing more I could say to make Kermit's passing any easier, but I wish everyone good health moving forward. And then finally, comments from his oldest niece, Leslie Slate. She wrote, I'm very sad to hear of Kermit's passing and that the virus was involved. I hope he didn't suffer, but it's a blessing to know that he's free from pain now and in heaven. He was always gentle and kind, and we will all miss him. I have some of the, uh, my earliest memories of Kermit as we grew up in Valley City, the outstanding thing that I remember is his spiritual life. As I as mentioned, he was saved as a teenager, I was four or five years younger than him. We shared the same room together, and I remember waking up many times before we were scheduled to get up to milk the cows at about 6 a.m., and I would wake I would wake up because I would hear Kermit praying. He would be kneeling beside his bed, and his prayers were what influenced my coming to Christ and influenced my spiritual life, even to this day. As has been said, as has been said, he was known for being so kind, soft-spoken, I never heard him say a harsh word to anyone. We especially got to know him. Carolyn and I uh, did many things with him when he moved to Rapid City about 12 years ago. One memory we have is taking him every year to uh, have a blizzard at the Dairy Queen. This was a delight to him, even though he could have bought many uh, by himself. He especially enjoyed us buying him Blizzard. And he just loved ice cream and candy. And as we mentioned, he especially liked Hershey bars and in his memory we have a Hershey bar for you from Kermit when you leave. So these are just a couple memories I have. Uh, We took him to many places during the years he was near us, such as to uh, Crazy Horse, we remember that because we told him it was about a six-mile walk. They have this annual hike up Crazy Horse you probably know about. We take, we've taken it many times. And we said, you probably don't want to do this. He said, oh, yes, I, I want to climb up to Crazy Horse. He liked the challenge. And remember how proud he was. Uh, when he made it to the top of Crazy Horse, so these are just some of the memories. So now, he's in heaven. The thing he looked forward to for so long, when he sees the face of what he has seen, been a couple weeks ago now, since he passed away, he's enjoyed seeing the face of Christ, which the Bible promised that he would see. And we look forward to seeing him, as I uh, hope all of you do too. I know all of you know you are Christians. We all look forward to being together in heaven someday. And in uh, honor to him, we would like to sing a song which, described, which describes his thoughts, I'm sure, in the years prior to his death. It's called, When We See Christ.
2: Oh.
0: Thank you very much. I'd like to say a few words myself, and I'll do that by first reading to you from the Gospel of John. I'll read uh, John chapter 11, just two verses, verses 25 and 27, 25 through 27, three verses. Jesus said to her, Father, as we um, consider these words, but also consider them in light of a life that was lived here on earth and a life that has been lived in Christ, that is assured of an eternal, an eternal existence with you in glory. We pray that we would see the truth of your word, and we pray that we would see that truth as a truth that is a reality for the life of Kermit. We pray it in Christ's name. Amen. Well, let me uh, just say that funerals and memorial service, as you all know, are always a time when our hearts and our minds turn to thoughts about death. But also, at the same time, the same services prompt us to consider the joys of life. While at funerals there is always mourning, mourning, Mourning over the loss of a loved one, largely the reason that sadness exists is because there has been a life that has lived that has produced such joys that have touched the lives of others. And the truth is, the longer the life has been lived, the greater number of the joys that have been experienced. Kermit was gifted by God with 97, sorry, 87 years of life. Sometimes it seems like 97, right? No, 87 years of life and 87 years of experiences, which then shaped his own life. And as those experiences shaped him, they also then started shaping the lives of those around him. You've heard some of that from Dallas already. As Dallas has said as well, he was a man of quietness, a a man of gentleness, a a man of kindness. I remember when I first met him, one of the things that struck me about him, though, was his smile. His smile. He had a smile that didn't come across his face all that often, but when it did, it lit up his entire face. It it shone from him. He was also a man of service. He served his country in the Air Force, and he served as a servant husband to his wife. Unlike many a man, Kermit did not enter marriage until later in his life at a time When many people would be retiring, he was getting married, and that marriage sadly was short. His dear wife, Connie, predeceased him by many years. Their marriage before his passing was only two years long, but though only two years, they were very good years. Kermit proved himself at that time to be a dedicated, devoted, and loving husband. Dallas has told me of many of these things about the various chapters in Kermit's life. But as you also have heard in every chapter of his life, every chapter, faith was at the forefront. Dallas told me earlier in the week that he never really remembers a day in his own life that he did not know Kermit to be a man of faith. Kermit, as you've heard knew Christ from his childhood, from his teenage years. And throughout all of his life, he was consistent in reading the scriptures. He was a faithful attender at his Assemblies of God church. In latter years, when he was still able to drive his car, his most usual trip would have been to attend worship or to attend some other gathering of his church. And eventually, even when getting there, getting to the church on time proved difficult for him, he would still go. If he was too late, he would still enter, even if the service was nearly over. And he would just go in. He'd pick up a church weekly bulletin for the simple joy of being able to review it once he got back home. Family members who knew Kermit best knew this part of his life. And they have these types of memories to hold on to, to hold on to tightly. I encourage that you remember them because they do keep us ever mindful of the joyfulness that can exist in any life. But as I've already said, those memories also not only remind us of the joy of life, but they are the same thing that makes a time like this, a time after his death, a time also of mourning. Those memories even lead to greater mourning because the good times so well remembered are also things that cease once that earthly fellowship has ended. Yet even though the memories of good times makes it so that these sorrows seem so real, the truth remains that for those who know Christ, the mourning that we express is such such a different character from the other people of the world when they mourn. It's different because the mourning of the Christian is coupled, even at this very moment, with the equal knowledge of knowing that Kermit's story isn't over. Kermit's story is actually part of a never-ending story. Jesus had said, as I read to you earlier, I am the resurrection and the life. Whoever believes in me, Though he die, yet he shall live, and everyone who lives and believes in me shall never die. If you just think about that, that is, is such an amazing truth. You know, Jesus said those words when he had come to a family that he had dearly loved in life. And he came to that family when they had freshly lost a loved one themselves over to death. A brother Lazarus, a a beloved brother, had just died. And Jesus, if you know the story, at that time was about to perform a great miracle. He was about to raise Lazarus from the grave. But before he he performed that remarkable supernatural deed, he had engaged Lazarus' sister Martha with this broader truth about a greater hope, a sure hope, about the continuation of eternal life after an earthly death. What I read to you from John 11, verses 25, 26, and 27, were Jesus' words to Martha. But just before he had spoken those words, he asked Martha if she believed that her deceased brother would rise again. And she had said, yes. Yes, I know that he will rise again in the resurrection on the last day. That was not an uncommon belief among Jewish people in those days. Many who followed the teaching of the Old Testament Scriptures believed that there would be a day of of a final judgment, a day when all the graves of all who had died would be opened and that each person would be judged according to their deeds and that some would be raised to an everlasting life and some would sadly instead go to an eternal destruction. But Martha's statement before to Jesus wasn't exactly accurate because she didn't have quite a complete understanding. And so Jesus slightly corrected Martha's theology by saying to her that he, he, Jesus, is the resurrection and he is the life. And that whoever believes in him, though he die, yet shall he live. And everyone who lives and believes in him, Jesus, shall never die. You see, Jesus is saying there is indeed a resurrection from the dead. Indeed, there is an eternal life after an earthly death, but that that eternal life is so related to him, so related to Jesus that it cannot be known apart from him. Eternal life, a life that continues after death, a life that is more joyous than the joy of any earthly life, requires one to have faith in the person and work of Jesus. God had created this world at the beginning perfectly. Everything he made was first made perfect and good. He formed the first man. He formed the first woman. And he pronounced that act of creation as being a very, very good thing. But that perfection of the world as it existed at first was later marred when the first man and the first woman disobeyed God and sinned. And when they sinned, through them sin entered into the world. And all this world, all of it, still suffers the effects of that first sin. Because of that first sin, as descendants of our first parents, were people who continue to sin. None of us are perfect. Kermit wasn't perfect. We sin today just as all people who have lived have sinned before us. And that first sin... That first sin of our first parents actually caused all the present wrongs of this world. It's because of sin, you know, that any disease or any virus that takes any life exists. All that's wrong in this world is wrong because sin has entered the world. But Jesus Christ... Jesus Christ, true God and true man, entered into our world to correct what sin has made wrong. In his humanity, he lived the perfect sinless life that no other man or woman ever could. And then he willingly was crucified on the cross to pay the penalty for our sins, not for his sins, of course. He was sinless, but he died his death for the wrongs of other people. Fallen people, sinful men and women. And in his divinity, that death of Jesus was sufficient to pay for the sins of all of the people he came to save from eternal destruction and to bring them to that eternal life. Three days after his death, after his crucifixion, Jesus himself resurrected back from death to life. And that, my friends, is an assurance from God that Jesus' sacrificial offering of himself was a sufficient offering for those for whom he died. That resurrection of Jesus is our assurance of the resurrection of all men and women whose lives are characterized by faith, faith in the person and work of our Savior Jesus. When Jesus, at that funeral, spoke to Martha about how he was the resurrection and the life, all of who he is, all of what he had come to do was united with the words he had spoken. And then Jesus asked of Mary, Do you believe this? Do you believe this? Martha said, Yes, Lord, I believe. I believe that you are the Christ, the Son of God, who is coming into the world. Martha by her true faith, was united to Christ. And so she received eternal life so that even when she died an earthly death, her death would be followed immediately by her soul being with God and with his Christ in the heavens. There to await that glorious resurrection of the body when her glorified body would be united to her soul at that future time. Do you believe that? As I said... Memorial services are always a time when our minds turn to thoughts of death, also to the thoughts of joys of life, especially when we remember a life that has been well lived. But memorial services are also a time to reflect on eternity. Kermit's story is part of a never ending story. So, Kermit's story isn't over. It's part of an everlasting story of glory. Dallas and Carolyn earlier this week told me that much of the time during Kermit's life, that though Kermit always exhibited his faith, always showed that he believed in his Savior, also didn't always have a sense of having an eternal security of that fact an eternal security that he was a child of God and an eternal citizen of heaven. But I say to you all now, he surely knows now. He unreservedly possesses his eternal security from this time on because when a person believes in Christ and when his or her earthly life ends, to be absent from the body is to be present for all eternity in glory with our God. Kermit's story isn't over. It goes on, and it goes on, and it goes on, and it never ends. And that story has only gotten more glorious now, only more joyful now, because of the trust Kermit has placed in his life, in his Savior and his Lord Jesus. And you know, my friends, that's why it is that we who know Christ never mourn in the same manner as the world mourns when death comes. We can't mourn in the same manner over the loss of Kermit's Kermit's earthly life. Kermit's soul is now with God. And by faith, if we too have turned to God, turned to Christ, or will turn to our Savior and our Lord, our eternal home will also be with God and also with those of faith who have gone before us. Our hope in Christ is that we are resurrected to glory, And all the saints before us are there where we will be. Do you believe this? Yes, Lord. Yes, Lord, I believe that you are the Christ, the Son of God, who is coming into the world. Let's pray. Our Father in heaven, what a blessing it is to know that every promise that you make in the scriptures is answered by a resounding yes and amen. That what you have promised us becomes reality. And so, Lord, Lord, as we here today, this morning, think about a loved one. We can't do that without thinking of his eternal salvation and what he is experiencing now. And we can't do that without thinking of the joy that must be in his heart now as he's in that place where there is no more mourning, no more more, no more pain, no death, no sin. Lord, we take our comfort now in knowing where Christ is and because of knowing where Christ is also then knowing where Kermit is. Lord, impress that upon our hearts and minds. May it always be true in our existence as we live on this world, as we await that greater day of glory. We pray it in Christ's name. Amen. I'm gonna uh did... And by pronouncing a benediction, I invite you all to stay as long as you'd like afterwards to, to fellowship together and to uh, share memories. Uh, receive the benediction of our Lord. Now may the God of peace himself sanctify you completely. And may your whole spirit, soul, and body be kept blameless at the coming of our Lord Jesus Christ. He who calls you is faithful. He will surely do it. The grace of of our Lord Jesus Christ be with you all. Amen.